Elise is going to get there. There's no question. He squares it. There it is. It's another. And it's Bubba Rodriguez again, scoring goals left and right, Elise with the assist. Welcome back to the Houston Dynapod podcast. I'm your host, Finister, and with me is a, a person, a name, a face. You probably, most of you, however many of you there are, know Edson Ochoa. What's up, Edson? Hey, how's it going, Finister? Uh, first of all, I'm thrilled to be invited for the first time uh, to your podcast. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, Honestly, I think the topic at hand is really one that I thought wasn't going to happen as soon as it actually happened. But I'm definitely very excited to talk uh, about this upcoming uh, Open Cup matchup. So what what show are you running now? You said you and Jacob. What do you get down in the valley, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good segue into you telling us your show and all that. Yeah, so um, so down in the valley is it's a weekly podcast that I run with my friend uh, Jacob Young, um, pretty much talking all about RGVFC. Um, it's we're into our fifth season, so we're very very uh, excited to to what's for what's to come. And um, you know, it's interesting because the uh, the podcast actually started as a fifteen. Uh, I don't know if you remember but it actually started as a 15 minute segment on the peel podcast. And it kind of just, uh, just grew from there into, into its own uh, uh, pretty individual pod- podcast. Uh, thanks to um, obviously Justin and Josh, you know, for, for believing in, in my abilities to talk about RGVFC uh, originally, obviously to the people that are here in the Rio Grande Valley, but uh, also to the people in, in Houston uh, when the team was still under affiliation with the Houston Dynamo. Yeah, it was kind of nice having a link, you know, from from here to there in terms of media presence and all that, because, you know, that I don't know how the media is down there in McAllen. Mm-hmm. Is it McAllen? Correct. With covering, you know, sports. But when you were here in Houston, you know, they didn't, they didn't do a whole lot of coverage for us. No, not at all. And honestly, it was the same here in the Rio Grande Valley. You know, um, the problem is, is that, for example, in the second half of the season, that's where, you know, high school football is at its peak. And so here in the Rio Grande Valley, it's very traditional for people to be hyped up uh, about high school football. And in response to that, obviously, the local media, the local news stations, uh, they set their focus in sending their reporters out to the high school uh, football games rather than going out to uh, HEB Park to talk about the Toros. And even then, you know, um, outside of let's uh, Telemundo and Channel 5 here, um, they don't really spend a lot of time in their in their soccer or in their sports segment talking about RGV other than, Oh, this was the result. Uh, so-and-so scored uh, and they'll play next against so-and-so, you know? So outside of that, more of the analysis, more of the, you know, what is really going on about informing fans about the team. Really, there is nothing. Uh, uh, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this to kind of, pump up, you know, down in the valley. I welcome anybody else that will, you know, help me out with covering the the Toros. But right now, only down in the valley pretty much covers uh, the Toros on a week by week basis uh, uh, on a more in-depth view rather uh, compared to the traditional media. So that basically makes you like king of the valley in terms of the podcast world, right? Pretty much, yeah. uh, honestly, you know, you found it and you claimed it and it's yours. And it's it's funny because you know this whole thing started out as a uh, when I, so I was a in my last year of college, right? And the Toros had barely started their season, and I saw you know that nobody was covering RGV, you know, talking about the uh, as something more than the results. So I started a um, kind of English slash Spanish Twitter account called La Carga Naranja. 
to talk about, um, you know, stuff about the Toros. It was not until I moved to Houston and I met Justin and Josh where they kind of got me into the podcasting world. Like I said, it kind of it kind of grew from there. But a lot of the times it's one of those things where you identify uh, a market that just is isn't being, you know, um, taken advantage of not taken advantage of. But like, for example, discovered and ro- running with it, you know, and so yeah. uh, de- it's definitely uh, I think it's been a pretty fun uh, experience. It is very tiring, you know, as, as well. Um, but, uh, I think at the end, you know, as when I see people, um, on social media, um, talking about the Toros and, uh, and kind of starting, you know, the conversation online about RGVFC, uh, regardless of whether it was because of the down of the Valley podcast or not, you know, I feel like it directly or indirectly, I think, uh, Jacob and I did uh, our jobs into getting people to uh, be more involved with their local club. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I think that's what most of us, if not all of us, like to do, and it's it's something that, you know we like, we enjoy, and it's a way to enhance awareness for our product, our club. You know, the product being our club. But how many right now? I know Wilmer. I know Tyler Derrick. I know. I was on the tip of my damn tongue. Sanchez Sanchez still there? No, no. So he actually, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, he announced that he was going to be the uh, franchise assistant coach for Pachuca of of Mexico, of Liga MX. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he took on a new role over there in Liga MX and... uh, so he's not here at the club. Who the one who is at the club is uh, Juan David Cabezas. Okay, right. How, how they've been? How you been treating them? How they've been performing for y'all? Because I know Wilmer. Wilmer did some pretty good things with you guys last season. You guys went two rounds deep in the playoffs, right? Correct. Yeah, we went two rounds uh, deep into the playoffs, <laughs> despite the fact that he uh, started building the club uh, late in the off season. You know. Um, uh, Tyler Derrick, I think he's, he's been pretty solid as a, uh, uh, as our starting keeper. It's just a shame that, you know, he's encountered a couple of injuries. In fact, that's one of the reasons why, uh, Tyler Derrick hasn't been starting the last couple of games for RGV this season, this season. And, you know, uh, it was not until this past weekend where Wilmer actually revealed on record. I mean, I knew beforehand due to sources, but it was not until last weekend where Wilmer actually revealed on record that Tyler Derrick uh, was out on, on, on an injury. He was out twice uh, due to injury last season uh, as well. So um, I think it's one of the things that's kind of inhibiting uh, Tyler Derrick from kind of being a little bit more consistent with, with the, with the team. But when he has played, he's been solid on the week basis. I think he's, you know, you, you, you remember him from when he played with the Houston Dynamo, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of uh, aggressive at times when it comes to uh, making fouls that lead him having yellow cards, you know, but I, I feel like he is when he has been able to play um, he's been uh, pretty solid, you know, just like Tyler Derrick, he, he has had a, a couple of runs uh, with injuries as well. You know, he just recently came back in last week against North Carolina FC uh, from a an injury that he sustained uh, during the off season as well, and uh, obviously, um, who, who else am I missing? Uh, obviously, Wilmer Cabrera. You know, uh, as much as I didn't uh, agree with the decision um, last off season, um, I feel like at least last season he got he gave us a good baseline, but for some reason in this offseason, he decided to start from scratch again, start late again. And I think now we're starting to see, you know, kind of like the the reality of what uh, doing uh, building squads at the last second, you know, can can bring you to it. I, I feel like and I mentioned it on the striker uh, Tejas this week. Uh, I felt like last year he was lucky with the fact that he had, you know, uh, experienced players like Rodrigo Lopez, like Elvis Samo, you know, and even uh, Tyler Derrick and Juan David Cabezas. And, you know, with all these injuries and having young guys uh, pretty much uh, with the responsibility of carrying this club in these er, first early games of the season, you know, you're starting to see, you know, less than stellar results from the club. Well, I think being a USL side, 
I mean, I would, I would kind of anticipate late signings and, you know, late signings and into the season roster building, just because, I mean, if I'm a player who doesn't have a contract, I'm going to wait for the best and highest offer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it would seem like it would be kind of normal. And then if you look at the pecking order of USL, I, I, I wouldn't say RGV are near the top. Like who would you, I, I've been to a Correct. Las Vegas lights game. Like I know they're, they have a good turnout. So does Sacramento. Um, God, there's a couple, but RGV wouldn't exactly be near like the ideal top. And in terms of destination, I mean, there's, there's not much really. Correct. I, I, Padre, you have Padre nearby. Like after <laughs> and that, that's it. Like, <laughs> and, 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 this is co- and this is coming from somebody that's was born and raised in the Rio Grande Valley, but honestly, you know, there really isn't a lot uh, much uh, to do here in the Rio Grande Valley outside of, you know, come to shop, you know, and that's what a lot of people from uh, Northern Mexico come and do, but that's just pretty much about it. We're, you know, we're known for commerce and South Padre Island, but other than that, as far as touristic attractions uh, compared to a San Antonio to a Sacramento, San Diego, really there's not a lot to do. I remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you, you can go across the border and finally get affordable health insurance. You can get affordable health care. It's it's all about progresso, man. For that uh, that uh, affordable dental, exactly. Yeah, I've, it is. I've done that there, myself. Man. I'm not gonna lie. I've done my that parents, myself. My parents just got back from Mexico today. They got their new glasses. They got their checkups. They got their pills. Whatever. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. I know. I was. I think uh, two seasons ago, uh, Robert Coronado, one of our one of our players, uh, before he went out to OKC. You know, during that that season, that 2020 season, I know he posted he posted a. Uh, uh, a picture on his uh, Instagram of the the Chase Tower, and he and he put the caption: "This is the the valley's largest and only skyscraper." So sure. you know, so I, I, it was it was a fun it was a fun little jab, and and my sister and I were like, I mean, he's not saying any lies. <laughs> yeah, know? I have some friends I used to um, work with that, that live down there now, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're both from. Well, no, she's from there. He's not. So he moved for her. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's sweet. You know, I was, tonight was actually the generation orange night and I was in there for a little bit because I did a show earlier with the guy from, uh, my God, Portland. God, it's all running together. And they brought up how this should be a match for our Dynado squad to step up and, you know, really see some of these younger players. And I'm sure you've heard of the MLS next, this new thing they're doing. Correct. MLS next Mm -hmm. pro. And we have the Dun and Doe squad. And it's essentially everybody that didn't play the night before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <clears throat> I made the comment. I think that we should be able to play our entire Dynado squad and still win. But what worries me about that approach is you guys have a lot of RXs down there with a chip on their shoulder. And this mm-hmm. is going to mean more to them. I mean, it's going to mean a lot for a lot of people, like including you, because you were here. You were, you probably, you may still be a Dynamo supporter, right? Correct. So you have a foot in each, uh, you know, a foot in each, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? A foot in each bucket. I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's a phrase, but if it is, I just made one up. What is it like, like for you? And, and do you, do you think, do you think feasibly we could put our Dynamo squad out there and, and beat you here in Houston? So I honestly think uh, that it's a really high possibility, especially considering the history of the Houston Dynamo in the first couple of rounds uh, of the Open Cup. Historically, uh, they would pretty much call their Dynamo reserves and call, and they would call up a couple of RGVFC players uh, to play in the Open Cup. I know, I remember one year that they played, uh, they did that against uh, North Carolina FC. Uh, remember they called the players like Charlie Ward, Eric Bird, uh, the the time that they defeated NTX Rayados at now PNC Stadium, they used uh, they used RGV players as well, including uh, Aldo Quintanilla, who I think he scored. If he didn't score a hat trick, I, I I'm pretty sure he scored a brace in that game against the NTX Rayados. So I think feasibly uh, that the Dynamo is gonna want to go. And and play the Dynados, get them some um, get them some experience in the Open Cup against uh, more uh, veteran and experienced players. You know, coming from the 
USL championship and kind of see what their what their standard is, you know, with uh, players that have a lot more experience compared to um, other players in, in the MLS Next Pro. Um, however, I do also think that it is kind of uh, a double-edged sword uh, with the fact that, you know, maybe if for some reason RGV does beat, you know, the Houston Dynamo like that, you know, a lot, I feel like a lot of fans are probably not going to be happy with Nagamura um, that they pretty much sent a, a Dynamo 2 squad uh, to play a, against RGVFC. I think the fact that RGVFC is uh, was used to be the affiliate, I think from the Houston Dynamo point of view, I don't think they're really it's really relevant uh, outside from the more hardcore supporters of the Houston Dynamo that actually, you know, had at least the sense of the fact that they knew that RGV was their affiliate for a while. I think for the common Dynamo fan, it's just they're just playing against another uh, USL championship team. Now, from the RGV side, I do know that Wilmer Cabrera, like you mentioned, he does have a chip on his shoulder. Um He's a better uh, coach than Tab Ramos. I'd have much uh, rather kept him. So, why do you think? Why do you think that uh, he didn't do as uh, as well in the later stages? Because honestly, because one of Albert the things Elisa that Mar-Manotis. I Elisa Manotis left in Kyoto. The entire front three were gone. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna dude, that's gonna wreck any club. Take take the any club any club in the world. Like okay. I follow I follow Tottenham. If they lost Kane, Son, and Kulishevsky. We'd be facing relegation. We'd never score. Mm-hmm. Like take your favorite club and take their front three out. I mean, and then who did we replace them with? Nobody. Christian Ramirez. Who's now in Scotland tearing it up for Aberdeen. We, he got a raw deal as yeah. soon as, uh, but I mean, other than that, no one, not, not for Wilmer. I mean, so uh, and, and, the team was dismantled and it wasn't, it wasn't a very good team to begin with. It wasn't mm-hmm. really that good. Yes, I know they made a Western Conference a fi- a sem- a finals appearance. I was there, and Seattle were far and away better than us. And mm-hmm. yeah, we won an Open Cup, but we didn't make the playoffs that year. That was a, mm-hmm. a quick boom, boom, boom. Get rid of you know Elise Minotis. Kyoto became a cancer. Wilmer lost all his attacking options. I still think he's. I would have much rather kept him over Tab Ramos. Mm-hmm. I, re- I mean, I, I, I remember. That and I do agree with you. You know that obviously losing your your trident up on top uh, was a was a key factor. Although you know it's for some reason I always I also felt that a lot of the players really weren't comfortable with him anymore. I mean, one of the things that I criticized out of Wilmer was the fact that he was quick when things weren't going well, especially at the tail end of his time with the Dynamo he was quick to throw the players under the bus. I remember one of the press conferences I attended to, um, he basically called his defensive line, you know, a bunch of cones and saying that, you know, that uh, I think if I remember correctly, he went as far as saying that maybe cones would have defended better than, than his defense that day. And I'm like, you're right, but that's not something you say out loud. Right. Cause that's gonna, you're going to lose your, your locker room you know, like that, you know, so I, I feel it's one of the things that I kind of criticized about Wilmer and maybe, uh, maybe that could also could have been a factor, but I think overall, yeah, I think uh, I agree with your center that maybe overall Wilmer was a better coach for the Houston Dynamo than Tab Ramos. Oh, I mean, he brought us, he brought us an open cup and we got to the Western conference finals and Tab, we never got out of the cellar. Yeah. Like D- Davey, I think Davey Arnaud had a higher points per match than uh tab ramos it was that was a rough time and wilmer came down right away and you know maybe wilmer's not a long-term coach maybe he has one of those personalities where he can come in he can do well because you guys made the playoffs as well in his first season correct and then he burns up he's like he's like a firework he burns bright and he's gone even though his bright might only be like a western conference finals you know i'd rather have like a jose Mourinho bright or like a champions league and then leave me for somebody else Mm-hmm. So your season so far, I have not, I've been slacking on keeping up with the USA. I typically do. I typically watch it on Hulu because it's on all the time and it's wonderful, but I've really been into this TV show and it's, it was a very long show. 
So I have not been keeping up with USL because I haven't been watching. Mm-hmm. How has how have RGV been doing so far? So they won their home opener, and uh, they they defeated Oakland Roots one uh, zero here at home. Other than that, you know, they lost against Orange County SC, who are the current champions of the USL Championship. Uh, Kubo, is Kubo? Isn't Kubo there? Yes, Kubo is with uh, Orange. with Orange County and SC. Then, he didn't uh, do anything. Uh, Funmayor, uh, Funmayor is in Oakland. Fuenmayor is in Oakland. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny. It's funny because so I know if my sister hears this, she's going to be like, why are you saying this? Because she was she was already embarrassed enough when she heard my dad uh, say it at the stadium. But there was one particular play where uh, Dylan Borjak, one of our one of our wingers, uh, he basically uh, uh, did a rainbow flick over Alejandro Fuenmayor. And Alejandro Fonmayor doing funny things, you know, he blatantly kicked uh, Dylan Borjak uh, so he could fall on the ground and kind of avoid the uh, the counterattack. And when that happens, my dad yells out that see, that's the reason why you got kicked out of the Houston Dynamo. And everybody around him was <laughs> laughing and my sister was just staring and all like, Dad, shut up. You know, but it, I mean, it, it's true. I think Fonmayor, you know, as much as I feel like he. Uh, felt that maybe he belonged in MLS, you know, I, I think. And even then, you know, he seems to be struggling in the USL level with because o- overall Oakland Roots right now is in the cellar of the Western Conference of the USL Championship, which, you know, which isn't a, a good look for them. And like I mentioned, you know, Kubo Torres doing Kobo Torres things and not really doing much as far as scoring or even being participative uh, in, in the attack at all. I know in that game against RGVFC, you know, it wasn't, it was to the, when Oakland, the went Orange County SC substituted um, Kubo Torres off uh, to bring in uh, Sean Okugo. That's when, Orange County looked better, looked lively, and that's you know where uh, the goals started coming coming in uh, for uh, Orange County. And you know the Toros were able to find an equalizer, but you know it's just defensive mistakes at the very end. And uh, they were they at the last second they allowed uh, a game winning goal once again by Shana Okugo. Uh, they went to LA Galaxy two. They lost one to zero off of a controversial penalty, but I'm not here to talk about whether a ref is good or bad. You know, I think overall the performance of the, uh, the Toros left a lot to be desired. Um, and of course, you know, LA galaxy two is a team that our RGVFC have never beat in the history of the franchise, you know? And, but overall, like even with the fact that they have a lot of injuries, I mean, they, they had signed um, Gringo Torres, Jose Francisco Torres. He's out for an injury. Uh, Eric Pimentel, a center back that used to play for Club America in Liga MX, uh, he was out for an injury as well. Juan Abica Basis was out for an injury. Tyler Derrick was out for an injury. Uh, and the, and to be honest, I think their planning for building the squad was just not good enough. You know, uh, they only subs- they only signed, I think, five or six attackers and that's including wingers and strikers one of them is out for an injury ollie wright three of them are at or have not been able to play because their paperwork from immigration hasn't arrived yet so you're pretty much dealing with uh, a top three of dylan borjak frank lopez and ricky reese and then you have to sub in a 17 year old academy product uh, to be your super sub, you know, when, when things are, aren't going as well. So, I mean, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of responsibility, you know, for the kid, uh, you pretty much throw him into the ring of fire. Um, so I think all of that is just, uh, to sum it all up, RGB has not been doing very well the, this, this season, which worries me, even if, they were to go up against Dynamo 2 with the good run of form that Dynados has had recently. Yeah, they're, they're undefeated and they have not allowed a goal, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And with the bad run of form RGV has had, I'm honestly not very confident of a positive result 
at PNC Stadium from the from the Toros. If you know, I'm just being honest. I think I think in open play, even our Dino, our, I think our entire Dynado squad, and I don't think it's disrespectful to say this either. Like I know there might be some people that are like, no, they're USO. I get that they're pros. However, they're not pros at the highest level technically. You know the, the, the MLS next kids, they're they're for the most part professionals, correct? I mean, I'm sure there's some youth kids in there, but they're pros. So it's not, I don't think disrespectful to say it, but I, I think that we should be able to run them out there and just, and win. I think if it went to penalties, mm-hmm. I think that's where we could lose. And that is, that's what scares the shit out of me is because if you go one-to-one and then it goes to penalties. I mean, I've seen this movie before. We know how this ends and it's, it's a really good story for you. And it's a really big shot in the side to you know, Nagamura because he's done so well so far i mean he's done well so far pat onstad has been lights out and ted siegel has been you know in charge of everything he's been yeah. wonderful god has he been good i was just talking about him to the portland guys because their front office is a disaster and i just told mm-hmm. him like we have an owner that he just does what he says he's going to do and it's so refreshing and you know i was we- just i was just about to say that word it's it's a refreshing change of uh, attitude from uh, ownership that they're willing to invest not only monetarily, but also with, you know, that interaction with the fans, with the community uh, to give some hope to the fans and prove it with results that they're willing to turn the ship around with, with the club, you know, uh, you know, bringing in Hector, signing Hector Herrera. Yeah. That's the biggest, that's the biggest signing in Texas professional soccer history. I mean, who would be a bigger signing? Mm-hmm. Who's bigger? I mean, seriously. I, yeah. He would be it. Like it, right there. He just made them us. You know, we are the biggest place in Texas to come to. And here's why Hector Herrera, but we still have to win. We still have to perform. Correct. If we don't do that, it's all for naught. But I mean, our season's been good and I know you follow us. And I know a lot of your players because of football manager 2021, mm-hmm. because we're not play as a dynamo immediately linked with RGV. So I would look at, and I never called anybody up so bad about that. I'd send plenty of players down just to play, but never called anybody up. I think I had my settings wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, from us, I can't even give you an idea. I can't, I can't give you my, my ideal lineup would be all Dynados. It would be everybody that doesn't play on the first team who's under 30 or not Darwin Seren. Is he 30? He's 31. Mm-hmm. I'd play anybody 25 and younger on either my first team, my reserves, or my uh, Dynados. And I would mm-hmm. expect to win. I'd expect to concede a goal, but I'd expect to win two to one. And if I went to penalties, I would keep my three best penalty takers on the bench, and those would be my only substitutions, just yeah. in case. What do you have any idea what we're going to see from y'all or, or what formation? Cause we're in a four, three, three. We're a four, three, three as well. For the most part, you know, with, uh, I know overall we've, uh, had to use, you know, the back line of four with, um, Jonathan Ricketts, uh, we have Akway, um, Jesus Vasquez, Robert Coronado, you know, three midfielders, which pretty much have been the same, all this time, uh, Isidro Martinez, uh, Emilio Icaza, Juan Pablo Torres, or maybe now bringing in uh, Juan David Cabezas. Uh, and then up at top, you know, you're stuck with Dylan Borjak, Frank Lopez, and Ricky Reese. You know, Jonathan Ricketts and Ricky Reese, they were brought in from uh, he, um, a Chattanooga Red Wolves from USL League One. So uh, I honestly think, I think overall, the biggest question RGV has had in this last couple of games has been their lack of finishing. Uh, they have had a high number of shots, but have really no number of those shots actually being on goal. And, and defensively, I think they've been shaky. Um, I think if, uh, I think I just I just I just would like to see, you know, uh, Eric Pimentel, you know, come back uh, and, and play um, uh, off of his injury. But 
overall, I think offensively. And it, it surprised me because, you know, from what I gathered during the offseason, granted, it is the offseason, but from information that I gathered from the offseason, RGB looked really good uh, offensively. Um, they, they, you know, they tied 2-2 against Austin FC's reserves. They defeated Houston Dynamo 2, 2-0, even with, you know, Adalberto Carrasquilla and uh, Darwin Quintero playing in the first half. Uh, obviously, they did also defeated HBU and uh, UTRGV, you know, college programs. Uh, but I thought that the that from what I saw in preseason, the the offense was going to be pretty solid, and it just turned out to be a, you know a, a bunch of uh, uh, underwhelming performances so far when it really matters the most. You know, we we did that too, where we looked good offensively in the preseason, and then when the regular season started. We couldn't hit water from a boat. You know, I was listening to you go through that lineup. And until you hit the forwards, I couldn't tell if you were reading me the lineup for a, a soccer a soccer club or like the ship manifest for the Spanish conquistadors. Because <laughs> up until you hit the top, I was like, oh, my God, like these are this sounds like like the names you would find on Ponce de Leon's manifest. I know what he's going <laughs> for the fountain of youth. I was like, Jesus. Like it's it's uh, very Hispanic, which I guess is to be expected considering the location. Well, like does that Correct. does that play a part in the demographic of the team? You think professionally, not so much, but like y'all, it would, right? Do you have Honestly, kids from the, the the valley on the team? Yeah, so we have Isidro Martinez. Uh, he uh, was born in Matamoros, Mexico. Uh, spent his youth here in, in Brownsville. Um, played uh, played in high school. Actually, won a state championship with. Porter, if I'm Brownsville Porter, if I'm not mistaken, um, played with UTRGV. Uh, when he graduated from UTRGV, he uh, came and played for the Toros, uh, spent last season with uh, New Mexico United, and then came back to the Toros for this season. So he's a he's a player from the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, obviously, Duilio Herrera, the 17 year old that I mentioned a little while ago, he's also from the uh, from the Rio Grande Valley as well. Uh, but I think. Overall, it's really not, uh, it's usually players from outside of the region that uh, have made up uh, this team. I know in previous seasons, you'd see a lot less, you see a lot less like Hispanic players. Uh, that's also obviously because, you know, the Houston Dynamo, and Matt, aka Matt Jordan, uh, controlled the roster uh, for Matt RGBS. Jordan might be getting a new job. I heard that. I feel bad. I feel bad for FC Cincinnati. If they, I if don't. they were. Uh, how dumb are you? Not I, I, you, them, them, not you. Them. No, I, I, I get it, oh but it's God. like if you aren't, I mean, you're seeing it's like you say in Spanish, ves la, la tempestad y no te incas. Like if you're seeing that like you're already consistently a wooden spoon contender, you see the history of Matt Jordan with Montreal and with the Houston Dynamo, and you still decide to put him on the short list for your next president. I mean, to be honest, he has won more games in Cincinnati, right? Per season. He, he mm -hmm. has. I mean, maybe to them, it's like this guy's done well and he's affordable. And he's yeah, but, that, but yeah, but that's the that's between deciding whether you want to drink 80% alcohol or 40% alcohol. Oh, I don't know. I like beer. No, I, I'm talking about pure like rubbing alcohol. Oh, my God. No, no, I'm good. Like Everclear? No, thanks, ma'am. Yeah, I, I almost burnt down a trailer because of Everclear once. Oh we were my doing, god! We were doing Everclear poppers on the, on the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. One of us was smoking a cigarette. And we dropped it. We let the whole the whole table immediately erupted into flames. Like, and I was I was I was already drunk, so I just didn't do anything. I think I mm -hmm. might have grabbed a rag, but oh my god, that stuff is disgusting and it's I'm, flammable. I'm pretty sure that sobered you up real quick. I don't know, man. I was in college. We. We weren't sober very often. Yeah, well, at least, I at hear least you. from what I remember. So, what is your prediction for this match? Like, what is your score prediction? I am going to go with two one, and I am reserve, and I'm really going to say that. If it's purely Dynamo Dose, I do see an uh, an opportunity for the Toros to win. But 
if they do bring a couple of first team players, then I really do think that uh, the Taurus with the way that they've been playing, you know, they have very little to go up against, you know, some of these more experienced players uh, in, in the ML, in the Houston Dynamo first team. Obviously, like, you know, like I mentioned to Jeff Strong, you know, uh, being from the 956, born and raised here, obviously I'm going to go, I'm going to support fully, you know, RGVFC and hope that they, that they will win. But honestly, seeing it from a more uh, objective point of view, um, I think just with the momentum itself of uh, between, you know, Dynamo 2 and MLS Next Pro and RGV in the USL Championship, I do think that even uh, with a full Dynamo squad, they kind of have a leg of an advantage over RGVFC. I think I think it's still going to be a good game overall. But it is going to be very difficult in my eyes for RGVFC, and I hope to be wrong. Um, but that's just the way that's just the way I feel and how I've seen you know th- this team in uh, play. I I hope that the fans that are there for the Dynamo do give a proper ovation. It's, you know, a good clap to Cabrera and the other boys that used to play here because there's really no no hard feelings at all. Like I know some people don't like Cabrera. And you obviously know how I feel. I, I don't dislike him as much as some. Mm-hmm. He wasn't everybody's cup of tea. And sometimes calling a player out in public has the reverse effect and it motivates them. But with today's group, not so much. They're still, they still exist, but there's not many of them left. If you'd have done that 20 years ago, that's you know totally fine. Yeah. But I mean, I I feel pretty confident in saying. If it is Dynados, still two to one. If we have first teamers out there, three to one or four to one. I, I still think you guys will score, and I would not be surprised if you scored first and you scored early. Mm-hmm. That would not shock me at all. Something just popped in my head. Have we met? Outside of, uh, wait, you mean like in you person. and me? You and I, me? I think I we don't have. Think so. I think I'm I met you sure. and Victor. I think I met Were you at Pat Onstead's? Uh, Q and A right after you got hired with Eddie Robinson. No, no, because that was where I was already uh, here in, in in McAllen. I, I moved so I down. I, I, I moved Victor. down from Houston uh, in April. In fact, next Tuesday is going to be my first year anniversary back. You know, so April, uh, I started this in January. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, I met if because if you weren't the only other people I've met in person. No, I didn't. No. I don't know because like I know I've seen you somewhere, on Twitter obviously. Yeah, but you I, probably may have seen me uh, at the stadium, you know, and uh, probably you know even know. Um, chatted a little if you saw me at the uh, at the concourse or something. No, but, no, because when I'm when I'm in the, like I do my chatting prior to like at pitch twenty five. Mm-hmm. Once I'm in the stadium, I'm usually with my kids, so we just we hang out. Which is it's funny when I meet people uh, that listen. Cause my kids are trying to like, dad, how do they know you? And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Like my son knows about your dad this. is an influencer. Yeah. My, well, I, I guess my, uh, my son knows about it. And I'm like, dude, don't, you're not allowed to listen to it. It's like, <laughs> it like, and everything's a lie. So one day, <clears throat> um, so I had a, uh, I had a listener question and I, I Googled this guy and I don't know if this question is meant in a smart ass way. Or serious because I don't know who this guy is, but the question is this: What does Alonzo Cantu mean to the Valley? Who is that? I know he's a businessman. I got that yes. Far. So he is. So Alonzo Cantu is pretty much the richest person in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, he um, started off pretty much um, from scratch. You know, his uh, his family worked uh, uh, construction. And so, you know, as he kind of grew up, you know, he started his own construction company. Then due to uh, the money he gained from the construction company, you know, he started uh, Lone Star National Bank. Um, he uh, he started Doctors Hospital at Renaissance. So, you know, he's he's, I think, multi uh Multi-millionaire, if not a billionaire, we don't know exactly what his net worth is because it's not 
uh, something that's publicly uh, available, shockingly. Uh, but I do know, you know, not to be political or anything, but he has invited, personally invited Hillary, people like Hillary Clinton, you know, down here to the Rio Grande Valley. So the guy has a lot of influence even in the politics in, you know, here. Obviously, with, you know, with a lot of uh, multimillionaires, it, it's very polarizing. You either like, like him or hate him, you know, but I think overall, you know, he's tried to do a lot for the people in, in the Rio Grande Valley to try to kickstart, you know, the economy here, trying to provide uh, a lot of a lot of jobs in all of these uh, instant industries, obviously bringing in, you know, the RGV Vipers, you know, uh, as the affiliate of the I think originally they were affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Then they became the, the affiliate of the Rockets. Uh, and then obviously yeah, that makes you know, more sense. Yeah. And then obviously bring, bringing in uh, the uh, the the Toros first under, you know, the affiliation with the Dynamo and um, and uh, now becoming an independent club. Um, but the guy the guy is a very su- successful person. He's really not someone that is, you know, out in in the open, the public. He's he's not one that draws attention to himself. He's one of those, you know, kind of works, you know, quietly and, and behind the scenes to uh, maintain and uh, even improve uh, the his net worth in real estate and, and everything that he owns. So uh, hopefully that answers uh, his question about who uh, Alonso Cantu uh, is. Why would people dislike him? Like what would give them reason? Because so, I don't know who he is. I have no idea. I really don't. So I think it has to do a lot more with the with the fact that, you know, there are some people that hate millionaires and billionaires for the sake of them being billionaires. You know, uh, he has he has, you know, a lot of people might question, you know, some of the ways that he has acquired, you know, his uh, his land, his assets you know, people might, they might have the idea. I mean, it could be true. It couldn't be not true. Right. You know, I, but I think even, even with the fact, you know, that people uh, associate being a millionaire billionaire with uh, screwing over, you know, everybody you meet in sight. Uh, that's why a lot, a lot of people, you know, show might show some, uh, some hatred uh, towards the guy. I haven't met him in person, so I can't say I like him or I hate him. Uh, I just don't, I just either, I just in either way, I, I don't really find myself somebody that, oh, like uh, I, adore, I adore, I'm going to, you know, bow my, you know, bow in front of uh, Alonso Katu when I see him, you know, no, but I don't hate the guy. It's just, you know, he just managed to find a way to make his money work into what he what he is today may you think that maybe some of his uh his ways might be kind of controversial maybe yeah i guess depending on what your what your beliefs are but i think other other than that i you know what it really matters you know to to me as somebody who covers you know the team is what he does you know to help sustain sustain the club and that you can back up whatever you say with criticisms or um, or what's the word I'm looking for uh, praise. You can back up with evidence, you know, based on results. Everything else is just hearsay and, and speculation of things that you might not ever even have an idea uh, what you're talking about. And sure, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some people that are saying, oh, he's a rich guy apologist, you know, uh, but like I said, I would rather make a decision based on concrete evidence rather than speculation or or, or hearsay. You know, we were we were just talking about that. Now, what if it was a charge of domestic violence? Because I was just talking about this subject with somebody else. And if somebody the subject was Andy Polo and what's going on in Portland. Mm-hmm. And Portland covered up the fact that Polo beat up his girlfriend. Like it, okay. it, pretty positive it happened because there's already recordings of them offering her money to not press charges. So that's pretty, it's pretty good evidence. But even before that was released, then you look at players like Deshaun Watson and you look at a lot of times it's true. 
I mean, we have we do have Tyler Derrick. I mean, I know, right? Like the way I see, I mean, the way I see it, um, I think at its moment, you know, I was pretty happy that not that he was fired, but you know, but at least he received some sort of punishment, you know, uh, for the his behavior, you know, off of the pitch. But I also do think that he needed to be given an opportunity to redeem himself. Well, no, I was going with uh, how we look at people as guilty before innocent. Okay. Certain situations and how sexual assault, domestic violence, things like that. It's never that way. It's very rarely that way where it's like, oh yeah, there's no way she's telling the truth or, or flip it. If it's a a dude that got beat up, there's no way he's telling the truth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Isn't that kind of strange? I think it, it is, it is kind of strange. I think when, when it, I feel like when it has something to do with violence, well, yeah, I, I get what you mean, but you know, you don't have evidence of that person specifically explicitly, you know, being part of it, you know, that's true. Uh, whereas where you, when somebody says like, Oh, you know, somebody was in, you know, I was beat up by, by him who ha- who's my uh, boyfriend and, you know, they tend to have some sort of uh, either anecdotes or evidence that it did, it did actually happen. And I, for me in those, in those cases, I tend to side more with the victim. You so know, do I, so do I, and it's like you immediately. Know? Yeah. And you know what you're saying? Like, Somebody in the inner circle, maybe who knows him, said this to somebody who told you know what I mean? How you do tell two friends and they tell two friends. So it yeah. all starts somewhere. And in the end of me, it's it's all still hearsay, but it's crazy how like I'll give you an example. The stuff with Hunter Biden. As soon as he was accused of it, I didn't jump to he's guilty. All right. I did not. However, as soon as Deshaun Watson stuff came out, I was like, he's guilty. It was like immediate. Same with like Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K., those guys. Like as yeah. soon as it came out, I was like, they did it. Like with O.J. Simpson, he did it. You know, uh, certain things. It's like, no, I want to wait and see. I want to see how this one plays out. Even like, oh, this is going to sound horrible, but like the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, mm-hmm. like murder versus whatever he. Self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. I was and like, I, I, I need I was, to hear all sides. I wasn't like, and there's video, you know, I saw it, but I'm like, I need to know more. I wasn't immediately like, that's murder. I was like, I need to know more. And, and for me, I obviously, I, I think to be honest, I was like, oh yeah, that was murder. Like I right, right away, you know, I, because of the evidence, I mean, the fact is that like, he traveled state lines to be there. You know, he, you know, he's out there with a, with a large gun, you know, in a place where he wasn't. Technically well, no, no, I don't. I, I definitely don't want to discuss Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't. I'm just, I'm just saying like how certain things we jump to an immediate conclusion and certain things we don't based upon. Yeah. It, it, what's, it's, what's it's crazy. It's, it's interesting, you know, how that works in, in the human mind, you know, what, what makes what is easier for you to make a a decision on who to believe real quick and which other circumstances you would rather wait for more concrete evidence to pretty much take aside i think well i think the media has taught us which way to accept that will make us look less like an asshole and go that route like instead of like basically you're gonna have to pick a side and it's like, do you think that this woman is telling the truth? You're probably want to, you're going to want to be in the yes crowd. You know, I think that's where we've gotten to just through what we see on TV, I would imagine. Because I know I sure as hell wouldn't want to be the guy that was like, no way he didn't beat her up. I, I definitely would not. I, don't, I think it's just how we've been conditioned as a society. And we've gotten really deep on the show. And this is actually a perfect place to end. <laughs> <laughs> Because we are almost at about an hour and yeah. I, I, I am getting tired. I'm going to need to go to sleep soon. So Edson, uh, plug your show down in the Valley. One more game. Sure. Uh, if you guys want to learn more about RGVOC Todos, be sure to 
Uh, follow us on Twitter at Down in the RGV on Instagram as well. Um, our shows go uh, live on you know Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and on YouTube. Uh, usually every Tuesday, um, the episodes are available for streaming. And you can also check out my content, my uh, covering RGVSC for the Striker Texas. Uh, you can see game recaps uh, and, and analytical uh, articles and the occasional, you know, breaking news uh, kind kind of article for uh, the the Striker Texas. I wish your stuff was free. I start to read it. Oh my god! I just admitted I don't pay for it. <laughs> I start to read it and I'm like, damn it. I wish it was free because I'm cheap. I have a budget. I have a yeah. budget. I um, get man, you. I, I do. I love watching the USL matches. Like, they, they're entertaining and having been to one, uh, it's just a different atmosphere. It's a lot more intimate. And if it's a good sized crowd, like when I went to Vegas, it was an old baseball stadium, but it was sold out mm-hmm. like 9,000 people there. And it was, it was so much more fun than dynamo game. It, it totally was. I don't sit with the supporters because I bring my kids and I, I just don't want to. I'm not that type of person, but yeah, it was, it was a really fun atmosphere. Well, man, thank you for stopping by. Uh, best of luck to you in the season. Obviously on April, what is it? 19th. The 19th? Uh, correct. Obviously correct. Not that day. I do not wish you luck, <laughs> but I, I, I hope you guys all come in healthy and come out healthy, but you go home defeated. There it is, everybody. Now, uh, um, Honestly, I would like to see the Toros win. Uh, and uh, but like and like you mentioned, hopefully we don't have any injuries to lament, you know, on either side. And at least, you know, the Dynados uh, can get some experience out of playing uh, RGVFC in this Open Cup match. Are you coming up for the game? Sadly, no, because of my daytime job. Um I can't, I can't make the trip over there. Plus it's, you're talking about a uh, five plus hour, hour ride. So, you know, I have some stuff to do at home. Uh, and so uh, I can't make the trip. I would have loved to, and I would have preferred had this game been hosted at HB park. Uh, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, if it was down there, I wouldn't go, but I miss games up here from time to time when I got my children's. But boys and girls, that's it. That's the end of the show. Thank you once again, Edson. And as always, go Dynamo. Albert Elise is going to get there. There's no question. He squares it. There it is. It's another. And it's Bubba Rodriguez again, scoring goals left and right. Elise with the assist. Big shout out to my favorite band, Familiar with Failure, for the introductory music. You can find them at FWFTX on all social media platforms. Once again, that's Familiar with Failure. Check them out. Badass band. Cool ass people.